Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for joining us on our 100th episode. Now, before yes. we get to this awesome interview with Greg Kokel, we wanted to let you know who won the 100th episode giveaways. That's all right, right. So we have third prize, second prize, first prize, all right? And that's how we're going to go in the order. Correct. Right? Now, just to remind you, what you had to do for this was you had to uh, tag three friends who would like our show on Instagram or on Facebook, and then you got a second entry if you went and you did it on YouTube. And so uh, we put all of that together. We're actually going to be sending out some behind-the-scenes footage of yes, us picking right. the winners and everything at random. Um, but uh, thanks so much for entering that. Please continue to share our show uh, with your friends. Uh, we've got a yes, huge backlog so of a whole bunch of episodes, so make sure you're still sharing it with people. But let's get to the giveaway. Here we go. Third place is going to win a $15 Starbucks gift card and a Christ Culture and Coffee vinyl sticker. Gift card and sticker. Wow. Tyler. That's pretty nice. It is. It's very nice, actually. I have one of those stickers. I do, too. I really like it. Yeah. Really <laughs> awesome. All right, Tyler. So tell us, who's winning the $15 Starbucks gift card and uh, yes. CCNC vinyl sticker? Yes. Third place winner is Instagram username AmAsianYay. His name is Caleb. AmAsianYay from yes. Instagram. Yes. Caleb. Caleb. You are our third place winner, bro. Congratulations. After the episode airs, we will be reaching out to you to let you know you won and asking where we can send That's that right. gift card and vinyl sticker. Third place. Done. Done. That's second it. place. Are you ready for this? Here's second place. Second place prize is a $15 Starbucks gift card, a Christ Culture and Coffee vinyl sticker. A Christ Culture and Coffee coffee mug like this, mm. and a Christ Culture and Coffee T-shirt. So T-shirt, coffee mug, sticker, Starbucks gift card. Ah, uh, there we go. Yeah, Tyler, it's tell getting us. real. It's, it's getting, getting real. real. I know it's getting crazy. Tell us who's our second place winner. Here we go. Happy Squid. Happy Squid. Yes. Instagram Happy name. Squid on Happy Instagram. Squid. You won. His name's Steven. His I name think, is Steven. Right? That yep. is correct. Steven, congratulations again. We will be reaching out to you as soon as this episode airs. Yep, absolutely. All right. Now for the, the big one. Show. The big the big mama. Are you ready? That's right. Oh here we go I with was this. Born ready. For born ready. That's yeah. awesome. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I was born whining. Um, probably first probably, yeah. <laughs> first place prize. Includes $15 Starbucks gift card. $15. Christ Culture and Coffee vinyl stickers, meaning more than one. Plural. Stickers. Stickers. Yes. It's pretty cool. Um, Put it on Christ Culture and Coffee coffee mug. Christ Culture and Coffee t-shirt. Christ Culture and Coffee <laughs> pour over just like this beauty. It, it is a beauty. But not this one. This one's mine. Yeah personal and the biggest thing a coffee hangout with me and tyler that's right yep and if we can't do it in person because you live far away we can do it over skype but we'll buy your coffee we'll hang out we'll talk we'll let you ask questions it's going to be awesome tyler who's winning the starbucks gift card the vinyl stickers the christ culture and coffee mug the t-shirt the pour over coffee maker and the coffee hangout with us who is yes. the big first place 100th episode winner that is going to be Ashley Footnote. Ashley, yeah, Ashley Harper Fontanet. Yes. Yes, Fontanet. Yes, Ashley, you won. Ashley, you're the big winner. This is going to be yours and the gift card and, this, and the stickers. And a whole bunch of other and things. Us. Yeah, and <laughs> us. For a time, for a little while. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for, for about an hour, while. an hour and a half, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah possibly. <laughs> hey, we're going to be reaching out to you, Ashley, to ask where to send all of your stuff. Thank you all so much for entering yes. into this 100th episode Thank giveaway. You. We are really excited about the next 100 and seeing yeah. what God's going to do with this. But keep sharing it with your friends. Keep letting them know what's going on. And we're going to have more giveaways and prizes and events and things coming up yes, it's in coming. the future. Hey, now make sure you stay tuned because this episode is really, really awesome. Because we have special guest Greg Kokel from Stand to Reason to be our 100th episode guest. Stay tuned and enjoy this interview we did with Greg Kokel. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, 
a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, thank you for joining us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee, and this is our 100th episode. 100, we made it. I can't believe yes, it. Yes, we yeah. made it. And today we have a very special guest with us today, Greg Coakley. A 100-year-old person. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, that is not what That's we're not trying true. to do here. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Greg, we're so glad that you're here with us today. Thanks thank so you. much. I, I just want to introduce our listeners a little bit to who you are. Greg is the founder and president of Stand a Reason, which is a phenomenal apologetics ministry that's based here in Southern California, where we're at. Uh, in addition to being the president and founder, you have been a talk show radio host for mm-hmm. years. 30 years now. Before so I, I just, just entered in my, th- right, wow. before podcast. Uh, before amazing. Right, exactly. Back when eight track <laughs> tapes were the thing. You my know? mom told me about those. So <laughs> yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> At least you didn't say your grandpa told you. No, no, it. no. My grandpa did not tell me. Um, well, Greg's also the author of a whole bunch of books that Tyler and I have both read. Um, one of them is called Tactics, A Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. Another one that I really enjoy is The Story of Reality, uh, How the World Began, How It Ends, and Everything Important That Happens in Between. And then an older one that I don't think it's as much play as it should is one you co-wrote with Francis Beckwith, right. Relativism, Relativism, Feet Firmly Planted in Air. I love right. that title. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's so apropos to the topic. It is. In addition to being an author and being a talk show host and founding an amazing apologetics ministry, you also uh, adjunct teach sometimes at Biola. That's right. You're a conference speaker. You pretty right. much do everything. Well, a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. Jack of all trades, master of none. Right? <laughs> well, we're so glad that you're here with us today. So um, one of the things we do on our show whenever we have a guest is we always ask about coffee because Okay. Christ culture and coffee. Yes, that's right. So Greg Kokel, our audience wants to know, do you like coffee? I'm, I'm actually a little bit of a coffee snob. Amen. You know? That's so I, I, I'm, uh, I, I, I really like, just for the record, I like strong, dark roast coffee. Mm. So I'm basically a French roast guy. Okay. And um, this is something that a lot of people don't know about coffee. They think strong and dark are the same thing. There are actually three things that make up the the taste qualities of coffee. One is the bean, and that's basically the same bean the world over, uh, an Arabica bean. Mm -hmm. Now, there Mm -hmm. is one called a Robusto, which is grown at lower altitudes, and it's the cheap bean, and it's got a lot more caffeine, Mm -hmm. and you can can drink that at truck stops. I think Soldiers uses that. Yeah, but the Arabica (laughs) is the best bean, but it tastes different. It's a varietal distinctive depending on where it's grown. So Kona okay. coffee and mm-hmm. Colombian right. coffee have different taste qualities because of the soil. Mm. Okay. okay. The sure. second thing is the strength, and the strength is the relationship of the water to the grounds. It is oh. not the roast. And this is where a lot of people get mixed up. Okay. Oh, man, that's dark roast. That's really strong. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, strictly speaking, that's not the right term to use. Okay. You can have weak dark roast if you don't have that many grounds proportionate okay. to that the coffee. Sense. Okay. That makes a lot but of sense. But I like it dark roasted, so the oils are really bursting sure. from the beans. Mm-hmm. And strong, okay. So a lot of grounds. That a lot of grounds. Okay. Now the la- actually the standard way you make coffee, if you read the books and everything, is going to be like one tablespoon for cup, and that's of grounds, and that's pretty strong for a lot of people. That's just perfect. Okay. One mm-hmm. last thing though, is that the darker the roast, the less caffeine. Yeah, that now, is fascinating. People isn't it? think, oh man, I'm going to drink that stuff, that dark stuff, you know, I'm yeah, going to yeah. be up all night. No, you're not. There's almost no caffeine. <laughs> it all gets burned out yeah, right. in the, the roasting, roasting process. process. So there's yeah. my there's my coffee snob tip of the day. That's great. This has been Coffee Snobbery with Greg Kokel. Thanks for being <laughs> on that. That's let's, awesome. Let's yeah. close in prayer. Let's close, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. great. And it is, it is such a misnomer. Even people, you know, I'll hear people trying to show off, oh, I had two shots of espresso, I'm wired. Yeah. And it's like, there's more caffeine in a light roast cup of coffee That's than right. espresso. Yeah. That's right. People don't know it because they think the taste... Right. Um, exactly. The strength of the taste dictates how much caffeine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks so much for that tip. This is You're good. Welcome. I didn't yeah, ever think about great. strength water to grounds ratio. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It does. Right? It does. 
That makes a lot of sense. That's, That's awesome. And so, yeah, then with that, uh, let's get on with the rest of the podcast here. Okay. We're super excited again to get into this. But first off, we wanted to ask you just um, uh, what led you into going into apologetics ministry in particular mm-hmm. rather than o- other branches of ministry? Well, some of these things kind of happen by themselves. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. there's a, a very popular way of approaching these things that you try to tune into the spirit and see what God's telling you to do. I actually don't think that's a biblical model. And I think the way God distributes ministry is not by calling. In fact, if you look in the New Testament, there's almost nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not by nudges from the Holy Spirit. I think God's telling me or leading me or whatever. Um, he distributes ministry by gifting. And there you see a lot of that, 1 Corinthians 12, yeah. Romans 12, uh, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter. So you have a lot of passages that refer to this. And so as this conviction about how to use my time well as a follower of Christ, following my gifting, that scriptural teaching influenced me very early on. I'm and sure. so uh, as I, right out of the gates as a follower of Christ, I began, this is Jesus Movement, 1973, okay. and there was a lot of talk about Jesus, especially in Southern California, where yeah. I became mm. a Christian at. And I lived in the Westwood area, West LA, and uh, and Westwood is where UCLA is at. And so I'd walk into Westwood and, and uh, in the evenings and just walk around, and everybody was talking about their <laughs> spiritual trip, you know. You have, yeah, right. Yeah, from right. from Jehovah's Witnesses to Hare Krishnas to the born again Christians wow. to the Mormons, wow. you just everybody's. <laughs> so you end up getting in conversation, especially when you're fired up as a new Christian. Mm-hmm. And very early on, I realized, boy, I better have some more reasons for the convictions that I have. I wasn't mm-hmm. the kind of guy, uh, which is unusual in my group of colleagues, that became a Christian as a result of apologetics. Um, other people, you know, Lee Strobel, J. Warner Wallace, and a whole bunch of them, yeah. it was apologetics that were central to their conversion, which is why they got into apologetics very soon afterwards. It, was, mm-hmm. uh, it just made a lot of sense. <clears throat> However, in my case, that wasn't the way it was. To me, it was out of necessity. The way it is really for a lot of people right now, yeah. they're engaging and they're realizing they're getting pushed back and challenged in ways that they cannot respond to. Mm-hmm. And so that was what began to interest me. I also had kind of a, 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 I would say, a natural inclination to that. It just interested me. And so I started early on. Uh, back in the mid-70s, there weren't many players out there. Mm-hmm. We had Josh McDowell, of course, yeah. uh, Francis Schaefer, who had a tremendous influence on me. Yeah. Um, Lewis was kind of across the pond, you know, so he didn't kind of fit in with the American group, That I, though I read Lewis, mm-hmm. John Montgomery, uh, Norm Geisler, and Walter Martin, and, and that was about it. Yeah, they basically had five, five, uh, five players that were informing us. Hmm. Of course, now the, the, the field is massive, sure, and yes. we're really thrilled about that, and seeing guys like you kind of coming up behind as uh, we're kind of passing the baton on to a yeah. new generation of apologists, and that's, that's wonderful for us to see. But uh, as as I began to grow in Christ, I, I, I just had this real conviction of what I want to do is I want to be involved in ministry. I wanted to serve the Lord in some way. And uh, very early on, that was my conviction. I mean, within the first year or so, I thought, man, I'm going for this. I want to make a difference in the world for Christ. And since my interests lied uh, lay in, in many ways in this broader area of thoughtful Christianity and, and um, I don't know, intellectual sounds a little snobby, but, but you know what I'm talking about, generally apologetics, <clears throat> I started reading more and engaging more in that. My chief um, influence during that time was Francis Schaeffer, mm-hmm. and okay. I had a chance during that time to visit Labrie and to meet really? Dr. Wow. Schaefer and, wow. and to spend a little time doing it, but That's I read cool. all of his books, and it was a huge influence on me, so... Um, that was great. And, uh, and then as time developed, when I got more into church ministry and I got to do teaching, the teaching that I wanted to do had to do with apologetics. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I did, it, I did uh, run a, a, a Christian ed program in our local church, and I wanted to really establish Christians in the foundations okay. of Christianity. And a lot of those things that I developed uh, 25 years ago or 30 years ago now when I was at Hope Chapel at Hermosa Beach, uh, those are things that found their way into the curriculum of Stand to oh. Reason in different mm-hmm. ways. So it's kind of cool how it happened. But the deal is, is you, you, you can't have a good defense for the faith 
unless you know what the faith is that you're defending. <laughs> yeah. <Sure. laughs> so you had mentioned two books, uh, one of them, uh, The Story of Reality. This was a book where I really wanted to lay a foundation of the Christian worldview mm -hmm. so we could get the basics in view and have a good solid foundation so we knew this is what Christianity is mm -hmm. from beginning to end, kind of, covering all the important bases. And this is what we're defending, kind of a mere Christianity approach. Mm -hmm. So all of these things kind of um, built upon one another. I never had a grand design. <laughs> it was always God's sovereign hand working in my life in such a way that I could, I could look back over my shoulder and I could see Oh man, I can see how that all worked together. Mm -hmm. I'd have, you know, we could spend hours talking about these little things that fell into place, kind of willy nilly, mm -hmm. serendipitously. Yeah. You know that that I had, <clears throat> excuse me, no control over in terms of planning, uh, but an opportunity arose, and I said, "Okay, well, I'll do that. Yeah. You want me to do? I'll. I'll why not? Hmm. You know, it's yeah. something I can offer. Yes. My gift." met that need, I, even though my gift wasn't very well formed at that time, by jumping in and using it, that's how our gifts get formed, yes. how yeah. we get yeah. skillful at our, our craft, as it were. And, uh, and, and it turns out that all these little yeses to small things that were available to me were the stepping stones to the bigger things that had the bigger impact. Like mm -hmm. the radio show, and then into Stand to Reason, and then expanding from there. Wow. So it isn't like I, you know, I woke up one one morning and said, "I feel called to start an organization." You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it, there were all kinds of other smaller steps that were in place, and this fulfills a um, a, a directive of Jesus that uh, that makes a lot of common sense. If you're faithful in smaller things, mm -hmm. then you'll be given bigger things. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes people want to just jump into the deep end of the pool, yeah. and they're not being aware of the small things they can do now that are opportunities not only to exercise faithfulness, but to develop their capabilities and their craft mm. in a way that will serve them well in the long term. This is why I frequently say to people, bloom where you're planted. Okay, yeah. you've heard this before. Absolutely. Well, and that's one of the things that I love about I love about your ministry because um, you, to me, seem like a normal human being. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, well, it, I seem that way to me too. That's good. By the, by the way, I know exactly what you're referring to, and I appreciate yeah. it a lot because I do want to project that. Yes. You know? Well, and and I think that yeah. the key is because I remember um, when I was in my undergrad, um, I went to Arizona Christian University, and I was getting a youth ministry degree. And I didn't really want to do youth ministry, um, but I was in there because I love Jesus, and I thought, okay, I can get yeah. a degree in this. It's a good start, by it's the way. It's a good start. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, so I'm sitting there, but we'd, we'd always have the chapel speakers come in from class, mm -hmm. and um, the three questions our professor would ask him is, what's your call to ministry, what books are you reading, and what are mistakes you made early in ministry? Mm -hmm. And man, I'd, I'd listen to these guys, and they'd have these elaborate calls. I was 14 years old, six days, two minutes old, and God spoke to me, and a yeah. burning light came. Right. And I just sat there and I thought, no, it didn't. Mm -hmm. Like, and yeah. th and then I definitely thought that's never happened to me. Right, right. Then we had a guy come and in. That's, by the way, one of the big liabilities of presenting ministry vocation in that way. Yeah. Because yeah. people feel second class if they don't have something, or they start listening really hard for something, and they're going to hear something, even if it's the rattling of their own head. Exactly. And they're going to fancy this is God. Yes. Calling them to something they may not be equipped for. Brings big mistakes. Um, yeah, it brings terrible mistakes into your life. But I, I remember thinking, man, is this what God does? It can't be. It isn't what I've seen. And then I started hearing guys like you and, and this other speaker who came in who eventually became the president of Phoenix Seminary. Mm -hmm. And he came in. He said, what do you mean call the ministry? And he said, you know, like when you knew God wanted you to be a pastor. And he said, uh, I just, I was terrible at school. And then some people said, hey, you might think about being a pastor. And I said, okay. Okay. And walked through that door. And then wait, they wait, called I'm me. just trying to make a connection there. I, I was a flunky in school, yeah. so I'd make a good pastor. That, well, okay. It was a very interesting, yeah, I didn't know what that was about. But he said, and then some people told me I should go to seminary. And I thought, that's a bad idea. I'm not good at school. Yeah. And they said, well, really think about it. Take a class. And I said, okay. And I did. And I was good at it. Testing the waters a little yep. bit. Yep. Yeah. And then I was really good. He's, I was really good at this kind of school. Mm -hmm. And then a church called me from California out to Arizona. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll come be your pastor. And then a seminary called me and said, hey, we want you to think about 
working here, being our president. And I said, okay. He's like, that was my call to ministry. I never slipped on a banana peel, right. flung my Bible open, right. and then pointed yeah. that said, no, you will so, be a pastor. This is so good. And, and I think this is, what this shows is that God can get his job done even though we're not clever. He's not whispering in our ear, mm-hmm. so to speak. And and there there is this whole model, and you've listened to Stand to Reason enough to know that of my concern about this whole model, because I don't think it's biblical, for mm-hmm. one, and I think it has inherent difficulties in, in application. But this whole model that, gee, unless you are listening and hearing the voice of God just so, yeah. then you're not going to be in the perfect will of God. Sure. You know? And then they think they hear God <laughs> voice and then they they got the call and they go off and they crash and burn yeah. and they yeah. think where was god what was that all about yeah. you know kind of thing and so uh what what i advocate is i think a much more biblical model you develop your gift figure out what your gift is and you figure that out by doing a little here doing a little there being faithful in the small things mm-hmm. and then it becomes obvious Based on the response from the body of Christ and mm. also from your own sense of satisfaction, what it is you do well. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. like for the guy who says, uh, well, I'm called as a preacher. Well, you're a lousy public speaker. Why, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't think anybody really thinks you boring, should preach. You know, why would <laughs> yeah. you? Yeah. You know, kind of right. thing. So, yeah. uh, but as we do these little steps, whatever, then then God's sovereign hand is working to place us in pro- providentially, not yeah. with our ability to hear the voice of God, but providentially as we are faithful in the smaller things to put us in places where we can have a bigger impact. Yep. And there's not a lot of introspection. There's more involvement with the local body because yes. we're, not, we're listening to other Christians, mature Christians. Yep. Uh, we're not trying to listen to the heavens, so to speak. And I know this sounds for some people like really unspiritual, but it actually is the <laughs> yeah. biblical model. It is. And God gave us his word. Every Christian's a professional Christian, right? Oh, All uh, of yeah. us are supposed to go make disciples. All of us are supposed right. to evangelize. The will of God for your life is your sanctification. All of these verses, yeah. we know what we're supposed to do, but then we're waiting over here for some magical spiritual experience. Yeah. Instead of listening to what people say we're gifted in yeah. and stepping in that and, and trying to serve the Lord in many different ways. So I've always appreciated that about standard yeah, reason. You. It just resonates with reality for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and part of that too, I think uh, like that imp- that idea of get, that being the way that mm-hmm. you find out what your calling is by waiting for that, mm-hmm. like call, like that call for a whisper from the spirit, basically, that's kind of like listening to your emotional feelings a lot and like well, thinking it uh, through of like, hey, what, what, how does this feel? And like, and you know, we see through scripture, like the heart's deceitful. Like, yeah. that's right. I mean, it's it, like, it, this is a big liability yeah. that you're, and I, I know that uh, there are some teachers who said, don't do anything unless God has told you to do it. Whoa, well, there's no I... place in the Bible that says that. No. Don't no. do anything unless God has told you to do it. And others have said, well, if you pray and ask him to silence the devil and silence your mind, then the only thing that's left is going to be God's voice. That's another piece of that methodology. And uh, There's nothing like that in the Bible no. either. And there's no, you know, why should I yeah, think right. that if I just pray, it's going to silence my own voice, right. you know? Yeah. I got lots of prayers that aren't answered. Why should I expect that's yeah, the one that's exactly. going to be answered? You know, so, but there's there's this built-in <laughs> yeah, sure. liability here. I'm going to base yeah. my life on that vital feeling I got. Yeah. 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 Well, and you can also manipulate people with that. God told me right. X, Y, Z. I had a girl in college, I hope she's not watching, I had a girl in college tell me that. <laughs> yeah, right. I prayed about this and God told me we should date. And I said, I prayed about it. God told me we shouldn't. So, uh, yeah, right. Why did God <laughs> tell you and not tell me? This? You yeah. know, kind of thing. Yeah, you go, I don't know if that's how it works. We can make decisions. Yeah. yeah. Um, but being faithful to what we know he says in his word mm-hmm. and being responsive to the body. Right. Telling us, I think That's those right. are two great ways to know right. where God's directing you with mm-hmm. your talents, mm-hmm. with your time, yeah. with your location, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we're in Arizona, yeah. and and it seems to me like, man, California has all this great apologetic stuff because it does. <laughs> but you should do what God's called you to do where you're at. Yeah. Bloom where you're planted. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I always appreciated yeah. about. And what, here, when what we're you talking about do. calling, we're talking. This, I, I, I mean, at least I am in the larger sense of the sovereignty of God. We can see where God has placed us, not because we were clever to figure out the mm-hmm. signs, the little hints mm-hmm. that He's dropping, but but that I, we each have a responsibility to work in the body of Christ in a way that's consistent with our capabilities, and we want to be faithful in that. And we feel we we are aware that God is uh, and that God is sovereign in the process of mm-hmm. moving us in places as we 
seek to be available. So uh, anyway, that's I thank you for that compliment, and I'm yeah. glad that that's had an influence on you that no, way. No, it I really hope. has, um, and it's a it's good instruction for you know, especially when I was working with youth for teenagers. What college should I go to? Who should I date? Yeah. Who do you want to date? Yeah. Who's a Christian? Yeah, <laughs> and you're not right, having right. sex. Yeah, that's with, right. right. There Those are some the boundaries there, right? Yeah, gotcha. but, but you're free. Who's a member right? of the opposite sex? Yeah, this is nowadays Disney. you have to make that qualification. This isn't the one and only. <laughs> yeah. So I really do appreciate that. Well, moving on, uh, we want to talk about your book Tactics. Because sure. it, you just came out with the tenth uh, anniversary edition, yeah, right? So right. it's a big deal. And yeah. tactics, I know Tyler and I have both read it multiple yeah. times. Uh-huh. We utilize the Columbo tactics, all the tactics, but we kind of wanted to let you explain why did you write this book? Because mm-hmm. it's very different than other apologetics books. Most apologetics books are about argumentation and the um, the knowledge of. Here's the argument. Facts, here's what you say. Right. Yeah, and tactics is completely different, yeah, and there's there's not really a lot like it out there. So yeah, why did I, you write it, and and what what did you intend to do with well, it? Well, I agree with you. There's not a lot like it, mm-hmm. and I think this is one of the reasons it's been so popular, as mm-hmm. you've mentioned. After ten years, it's still selling strong, and so sure. we and I'll tell you about the tenth anniversary edition in, in a minute. But what happened, and this is another one of those kind of serendipitous things. Um, I'm involved with engaging people. I've spoken at more than eighty five college and university campuses. Mm-hmm. I have 30, no, I'm in my 31st year in radio, and so a lot of people are calling in, asking questions, sometimes combative, disagreeing with me, which is fine, no problem. And over time, I develop some ways of maneuvering in those conversations, just kind of out of necessity. I started out pretty combative myself. And people who knew me when, uh, like 45 years ago, uh, remember the occasions, the, you know, the burnouts, the slash and burn, (laughs) all of these kinds of things going on when I was at UCLA and other times. And, um, and so that kind, especially in today's culture, this is not a good approach. And so uh, what over time, I would learn these different ways of maneuvering and and being somebody who likes to communicate Mm -hmm. and who likes to organize ideas and likes to try to throw the ball so people can catch it Mm -hmm. and also to do do so in a way that is transferable. So the idea of transferable concepts is really important to me. How can you kind of package these ideas in a way that people get it and they can pass it on to someone sure. else? Um, I started thinking about these things that I was doing on the radio and whatever, and and I realized, well, I'm asking a lot of questions here, okay? So that really helps a lot in me maneuvering. So how can I frame that in a more intentional way mm-hmm. and name it also? And <laughs> yeah. I, I was working with... Socrates, because the Socratic method is asking questions of students to get them to discover on their own. But that's like, that's just so blah. So, and then I thought of Lieutenant Colombo mm-hmm. of TV yeah. fame, yeah. you know, now four decades or so ago, sure. but a lot of people still remember Lieutenant Colombo and you can still get him in reruns. And you Nick might and find him on YouTube. YouTube. Even. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Everything on YouTube now. And so, uh, and so I thought that's a good name because he has a, he has a very, um, peculiar kind of character and he kind of comes in under the wire he looks stupid you know <laughs> scratch his head mumbling to himself he's got this cigar i don't know there's something about this thing that bothers me you know, <laughs> this kind of thing yeah. and uh with the trench coat and the whole deal and so he's very iconic and he's easy to remember mm-hmm. uh, once you get the picture and so i thought this is a good picture a good icon to kind of capture mm-hmm. what i'm after yeah and then uh then then i then i'd sit down and work through these things i had a great conversation with kevin bywater uh way back when uh when he was over at summit ministries and uh, mm-hmm. he helped me to kind of work through uh, this three-step plan with particular questions that really has become the basic game plan okay. so the tactical game plan is focused on one tactic called the colombo tactic and it's a particular way of asking or using questions to maneuver in a conversation in a way that keeps the Christian really safe Mm, and they don't take any risks and they actually, at least in the beginning, they don't even need to know much except for how to use these questions. And we we end up letting the other person do a lot of the work. Mm. And one of the advantages for us is that most of the challengers have never thought through their challenge or their own worldview, mm. their own belief system. And they frankly have not thought much about Christianity. Mm. And what they have done is adopted slogans yes. and they've thrown these out at Christians. Well, the Bible has been changed. Well, it's irrational to believe in God. Mm. Well, uh, you know, uh, 
on and on and on. Christians are hypocrites and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so that's intolerant to believe what you, but that's narrow-minded. And so now they never really thought about that. Yeah. And so uh, when they throw that out, the Christian is stonewalled. They don't know what to do. It's kind of a conversation stopper. It's a conversation yeah. stopper. It's a nice conversation stopper and it's an argument conversation starter because now the christian's stuck yeah. and they get defensive and so then they start fighting back yeah either they say nothing or they walk away with their tail between their legs or they start fighting back in a defensive fashion mm-hmm. so neither of those are good but sure. if somebody says to me well believe in god is irrational and i say to them really what what specifically is irrational about it yeah so there's a question and it's a simple question. Basically, what do you mean by that? That's the model first question. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to gather information, just trying to understand their view. But in trying to understand their view, I'm requiring of them that they be more clear in their own minds <laughs> right. about what their view is. Yeah. yeah. If somebody says to you that belief in God is irrational, well, that's really general. What are you going to do with that? Yeah. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Okay, great. <laughs> but if I say, what's irrational about it? Now um, they have to tell me the particular thing that is unreasonable mm-hmm. about believing in God. And yeah. you and I, we all know there is nothing unreasonable about believing in God. No. It might be that belief in God is misplaced. Maybe mm. God doesn't exist. But belief in God isn't like believing in fairies or leprechauns or Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. We don't uh, usually have <laughs> 10 and under watching this show, oh, yeah, so you're okay. Yeah. Uh, but the leprechaun, sorry about the leprechaun thing, yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, but but uh, no, it's not like that. There, there, are, there, there are good reasons to think there's a God. Yes. And so that means if we believe in God against fact, it's still rational to mm-hmm. believe. Okay, so mm. I, we know this. Mm-hmm. And so I want to ask the person who is giving me the challenge, tell me specifically what's irrational. Now I'm just going to wait for them. Notice mm. that from a tactical perspective, they offer a challenge. A lot of Christians go, wow, now what? I don't mm. know what to say. Mm-hmm. Well, we just relaxed calmly, graciously. What do you mean by that? So how is it? Ra- and the specific way of applying that question here mm-hmm. is, how is that irrational? See what they say. Now, they're not going to be able to say much. Okay. Mm. Well, to believe in something invisible is irrational. Mm. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Okay. That might <laughs> be what they're saying. Yeah. That's progress. Now I got something specific. Right. Yeah. Now but you don't I have, have to another, just pick but, out of the air sure. whatever you that, think that that's means. That's right. You yep, have a specific right. thing to talk about. Yeah. But then I got another question. Why is it irrational to believe in something invisible? Mm. Oh, because you can't see it. Oh, are you saying that you, if you can't see it, it's irrational to believe in it? Yeah, that's right. Can you see your belief? <laughs> yep. Okay, so now I've just switched in the question. Now, first I was I was asking questions to gather information. Now I've turned the tables, and mm-hmm. I'm using a question to expose a weakness or a flaw. That's actually sure. the third use of Columbo. But mm-hmm. notice how simple that was. Yes. What they're saying is something kind of silly. I won't believe in it unless I can see it. But it turns out they believe in all kinds of things they can't see. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that, so I just give one example, but I do it with a question. Yes. Their belief itself is not something they can see, but it certainly is real. They just reported it to me. <laughs> yeah. And oh, what are they going to say at that point, uh, right? Yeah, well, this is where I think you're going to get what I call a, a Simon, a Garfunkel moment. Okay. Uh, you know, the guys who wrote The Sounds of Silence. Yeah, yeah. Back <laughs> so there's a 60s alert there. Sorry about that. Every once in a while I say groovy. Too, I think so. the song yeah. was actually in the, the new movie Trolls. So you're okay. Oh, it's is that culturally right? relevant. Oh, no yeah, kidding. Sound of okay, well, those guys there. are experiencing a, uh, a, um, a kind of revival of some sort. When mm-hmm. I talk to audiences, a lot of the young people know who they are. I said, <laughs> they're still alive, but they're really, really old. No. <laughs> you know, so uh, they don't look like they used to look. Yeah. But nor do I, for that matter. <laughs> but I just use that as a simple illustration of, of a challenge that would stonewall Christians that when you understand the tactical game plan, which I was invoking almost automatically because I've done it a lot, mm-hmm. but it wasn't tricky. It wasn't hard. Mm-hmm. You know, just asking for clarification and then realizing the problem and asking a question that exposes the problem. Mm. There's lots of things they believe in that they don't see. Yeah. They believe in. Yeah that they don't see. And so I yeah. give a counterexample. What now? Silence. Mm. Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. You know, dead air because they're stuck. Now, I'm not trying to 
pardon me, I'm not trying to embarrass them. No, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help them to see that they don't really believe what they say. Yeah, mm-hmm. And right. the reason that they're using to reject Christianity is not even a reason that they can get behind ultimately. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm trying to remove barriers. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the process, hopefully doing what I call putting a stone in their shoe. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, getting, it, getting them right. thinking. Well, and what's beautiful about the Colombo tactics, asking, you know, what do you mean by that? How did you come to that conclusion? Questions like that. It's disarming. Everyone loves sure. to answer questions about themselves. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. So instead of getting defensive and, well, hold on, hold on, my yeah. pastor said, that's when people dig in. But you just say, oh, that's really interesting. You know, I haven't heard that particular view. Can you explain a little more of what you sure. mean yeah. by yeah. invisible? What do you exactly. mean by, you know, and then you dig in and it disarms people because everyone loves to answer questions yeah. about themselves. Right. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. It, it, it. I've done this a lot. It works. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and, I mean, it works yeah. very well. Yeah. And then with that too, you see, like, like in asking them these questions, you're, it sh- tells them that you respect their views, that you understand. Yeah, that, so that takes place into the, yeah. that second yeah. part of um, apologetics we get okay. from First Peter, where it says gentleness and respect. Yes, right? It of applies course. that. So it's yeah. like you're kind of doing all in one with this. That's tactic. right. It fits. Yeah. It fits the bill. And when you say it works, just sure. a clarification there. What it works to do is to get other people thinking. Yes. And this mm. is my yeah. goal. My goal is not to lead the hostile person to Christ. Mm. I mean, they're not ready. The fruit's not ripe, obviously. Mm. Sure. So I'm not looking to do any harvesting. What I'm looking to do is gardening. Yes. Okay. Mm. Because before you can have a harvest, you've got to have a season of gardening in any person's life. Mm-hmm. And your listeners can, can are aware of this in their own life. They became real Christians sometime as an old, uh, uh, maybe a teenager or a young adult. Sure. There were people that were gardening in their life until they came to a point where the fruit was ripe, and then it just dropped into the basket. Mm-hmm. I do not think that harvesting is the problem. I think that gar- gardening is the bigger concern. Yeah. Harvesting is easy when the fruit is ripe. So this is a way of, of helping Christians get off the bench, not worrying about leading people to Christ, because mm-hmm. that stops a lot of Christians from getting in play. Mm-hmm. If they feel like they got to try to pray with somebody to receive Christ— if that's the end game, they're not even going to get out of the You yourself up for disappointment, too. Yeah. Because you're going to get rejected, rejected, yeah. rejected. I yeah. see the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons coming to my door. <laughs> Same thing right. keeps happening, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that, that method isn't really great for, hey, I feel like yeah. I'm making a difference. But that gardening reminds, is. That reminds me of the, the Jehovah's Witness was invited into the house mm-hmm. of a per- Christian and said, come on in. Yeah. Sit down, you know, and let's talk. And said, so now what? The Christian says to the Jehovah's Witness, he says, I don't know. I never got this far before. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so so we want to get further than that. You yeah, know, we, we do, want to sure. engage in a friendly fashion. Well, and, you know? and, and I love how you say you, we want to put a stone in their shoe. We want to, yeah. we want to yeah. I, you know, sometimes I say we want to do inception. We want to put something in their head that they can't stop thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, I do believe in invisible things but, because most of our culture doesn't think deeper than the first That's slogan right. level. They're yeah. slogan repeaters, like you said, right. and they've never even thought Christians. about... Oh, even yeah. Christians. The yeah. Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. We mm-hmm. make bump, bumper stickers like that. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't settle anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it right. certainly doesn't settle anything for the non-Christian. No, right, it does not. Know, right. No, it's a... But... That's that's how we are. We're, we're pithy, soundbite, slogan repeaters, and people haven't thought a level deeper. And that's what's sure. beautiful about this. If the goal is to get people to start thinking about what's real, not just being content with yeah. a bad right. slogan. Right. And that's right. what the, the Columbo tactics are amazing. We'd mm. always say, you know, with the youth at church, you want to Columbo them to death. Yeah, <laughs> just keep. If you don't know what that. to do, just keep asking. I like that. One. <laughs> what do you mean by that? I like what that. What do you mean by that? And when you think about it, this is what non-Christians do to Christians all the time. Mm, it's true. I, I guarantee you, anybody in our, your audience who has been engaging non-Christians, and they start talking about something or even ask a question, and they're plenty good at asking questions. That's mm-hmm. the nature of the challenge. What about this? What about this? What about this? And we're stuck, and we don't know how to answer it, and it seems like the question is a fair question, and we don't know how we can answer it within our worldview. Mm-hmm. It makes it feels like, wow, there's a hole here in our worldview. We don't have an answer. And what happened is the doubt begins to come into our heart. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, we don't show that to other people, but it's still there. Yes. What has happened is the non-Christian has put a stone in the shoe of the Christian. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, they don't <laughs> indicate That's it, but true. later they're they're probably. And I think there's has been a mm. spate of deconversions. Very public, public uh, Christ, former Christians have deconverted, coming out, and sure. uh, on YouTube and former authors and all kinds of things that's shaken up a lot of young people. And largely, it's because of the seed of doubt that's been planted by non-Christians, which doubt was not answered by a good sound apologetic response yes. yeah no, and i've seen this true. over and over and over yep mm-hmm. i was actually on last week's episode i interviewed an atheist he grew up in the bible belt in alabama fundamentalist um church of god every other church is wrong he said he, on the show he said i started dating a baptist girl and people are really mad at me because she's you know yeah. anathema and um we, we got talking about it, and I said, Dallas, it doesn't sound like you walked away from Christianity. It sounds like you walked away from fundamentalism and six-day creation science. Yeah, right. I walked away from those, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have to have those to be a right. Christian. But right. so many people are walking away from a weird view of inerrancy, whatever they define it as, mm. or certain type of ideas mm. about creation mm. science. You don't need those I for think Christianity. You, you know, I'm glad you brought this up, and I don't mean to be stepping on anybody's sure. toes, but think about it. If you are taught that the only legitimate way of understanding the Bible is young earth creationism, mm-hmm. okay, just think about that, and that everything stands or falls on that, mm-hmm. and this is the way it's sometimes represented, all right, and then you get out of your protected Christian circles and you begin to encounter information and evidence mm-hmm. that seems well justified, that indicates the universe is not young but old, mm-hmm. That means everything hinges on that. And you have been taught that if the universe is old, that the only way to understand the legitimacy of Christianity is young earth. And if you learn it's old, then you realize Christianity is not legitimate. And so it kind of sets up a one subject point Mm. or uh, of of failure for Christianity. That's yeah. how yeah. to falsify Christianity. And they get out there and they think it's falsified and they walk away. Yeah, and that's a horrible because the Bible doesn't say that anywhere. The Bible says that the one way to falsify Christianity is if the resurrection didn't mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's we hang everything tr- there on, you right? Go. But creation, old, young, it doesn't make a difference yeah. because you can be, and I'm not, but you could be a theistic evolutionist and still believe Jesus rose yes, from the dead. Yes, of course. <laughs> so, of course. And yeah. There are okay. those guys. There are, yeah. And there are problems with some of these other views. There's a number of views that are noble. My encouragement is that say, let just understand there's flexibility here, and everything yes. doesn't stand or fall on this one thing that is not sure. a biblical thing. Exactly. Stand or fall yeah, thing, like yeah. the resurrection. Yeah. Because, and then our young people will not be so easily set up. Yep. And they realize, well, there are, look at their loose ends around Christianity. It's not all tied. That's why we have mm. differences of opinion, but that's yeah. not yeah, the end of the yeah. world. Christianity writ large is still Christianity, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. what makes us Christians, even though we have these internecine dis- differences, the yes. w- intramural kinds of distinctions. So that's not a big problem. It's not. Right. Near Christianity is still mere Christianity. And yes. incident, this is the book, Story of Reality, was meant to establish mm-hmm. the mere Christianity. So let's just, we can talk about things inside, but that doesn't mean, since we don't all agree, that the whole thing is false. And I, I think that it is interesting because a lot of the attacks you'll get, or when the non-Christian Columbo's you, yeah. it is in regards to inerrancy and creation science. Yeah. Because yeah. they know those are kind of weak points, and yeah. they have a little bit of info that they could throw at right. you. And um, I think we should study that and know what we think, <laughs> but also I, I think the easiest way to just usurp all of that is just, say, I don't care because the guy rose from the dead. Yeah, yeah And I yeah. can give you tons of evidence for that. And if he rose from the dead, then God exists. And yeah, if he rose I, from the dead, scripture's reliable. Absolutely. This everything is, hinges on that. You sound like Gary Habermas now. Yeah, you know, well, that, yeah, we love Gary. But, yeah. but you're right yeah. about that. That is, the, that is the hinge pin. Paul made it the hinge pin. Jesus yeah. made it the hinge pin. Scripture makes it the hinge pin. And uh, by the way, we don't need inerrancy in order to get a, res- a reliable right. account of the right. resurrection. Yeah. Yep. Now, we believe in inerrancy, but I don't argue inerrancy with non-Christians. Mm-hmm. I don't expect them to believe that. The, w- uh, the reason most people believe in inerrancy is not because they've heard an argument. It's because they've engaged Scripture, mm-hmm. and God, the Holy Spirit has mm-hmm. done that work. That's I mean, true. when you think about it, I told that to an, uh, our audience, 3,000 young people, 2,000 young people in Dallas mm-hmm. um, uh, yesterday, uh, day before yesterday. No, it was yesterday. And um, 
and and I said, look, you guys all believe in inerrancy, but, but it wasn't because I gave you an argument for it. It's because mm-hmm. you encountered the script, That's scripture. Right. And so if we can make the case, which is we can, that the Gospels as primary source historical documents for the life of Jesus of Nazareth are reliable in their large, broad strokes, mm-hmm. and this is what historians think, and then we take particular facts that are not contested, like Jesus died on a cross, that the tomb was empty, that the disciples had an experience that they thought was a risen Christ. We can reason for from those to the best explanation, mm. yes. which is the resurrection yeah, of Christ. Yeah. Yep. And Just not the not same at way. all depending on the authority of the Bible as an inerrant word of God. Yeah, the same way as we'll take Tacitus with all his supernatural stuff, and we can still know about the Roman Empire from it. Yeah, because these exactly. are historical documents sure. that we can mine reliable truths from about what happened in history. That's right. Yeah, we don't need inerrancy for resurrection. Right. And I don't know if a lot of Christians understand that, right? Yeah, so we, yeah right. We, like right. you said, we need to know what we're defending first. Sure, <laughs> sure. In yeah. order to go out and it's, engage it, the world. It's like, it's like focus on the macro issues, the big issues that matter, the existence of God, Jesus and the resurrection, those yes. kinds of things, because these can be demonstrated. Now, once those things are in place solidly, there are other questions that have to mm-hmm. do with Christianity that are mm-hmm. tougher to answer. Sure. Problems that the Old Testament people have and the issue of uh, the creation evolution discussion mm-hmm. sure. and a whole host gender issues and, and moral issues that seem to flow from a Christian worldview and are in conflict with the culture. Well, then we can answer those. But because we have... Maybe we don't have answers about some of these things that are adequate. Some of these micros that are adequate for the critic doesn't mean the macros aren't true. Exactly. Yeah. And that's really what's key here. Yeah, and so we major in the minors. That's, <laughs> that's right. what and, happens. And you know, yeah. as I look at some of these deconversion experiences, what I see people doing is fussing about the micros. Yes. Especially the micros that are inconsistent with the way the culture is going now. Mm, sure. It really bothers them, the sexuality issues. It really bothers them, the idea of God executing justice in mm-hmm. a place called hell. Mm-hmm. It, 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 these are, these are, it really bothers them that Jesus is the only way of salvation. What about all these other religions? Those are very fair concerns. Mm-hmm. But when they bother us as Christians, that doesn't cancel out the evidence for the resurrection. No, it does not. It right? doesn't cancel out the existence of God. And by the way, once you get rid of God... There's a whole bunch of other things that people value that go with it, like yes. morality yeah. and meaning yeah. and purpose and human rights and yep. all of Everything the other that things. that they're trying to preserve. They think they are. The progressives are championing as, yeah. as good, virtuous things. These just disappear because now it's all molecules clashing in the universe, and we're just a bunch of animals trying to survive. That's, that's so true. all that's left. That's so true. Yeah, that's right. Well, well with uh, that, like, what are some of the things you think, um, wh- where are we headed? In the next 20, 30 years, you know, you, you uh, were instructed by Francis Schaeffer, which I yeah. think that's like phenomenal yeah, that's to me. Great. That's amazing. He seems, I've read his stuff. Well, he I wasn't was... one of my buddies, uh, okay, just to be okay. clear, sure, but, okay. but he, I did, you know, I went to some events where he taught sure. and actually it went, it was a visit at Libri a few times. And wow. One night it was a Q&A session, a very small room, and he was sitting at the fireplace answering questions. We were all sitting on the floor at his feet, you know. That's amazing. <laughs> I took notes of the whole thing. I still got all those notes, so that's kind of cool. But That is uh, awesome. Well, he, anyway. he was so much like... Like a, um, n- not in the biblical sense, but very much a cultural prophet. He saw what yeah, was coming. I think so. Yeah, um, yeah. Nancy Piercy has picked up sure. a lot of his. She, she was a student of, of, of Francis Schaeffer as well. Yeah, and so she went to Liberty too. Os Guinness as well, and a whole bunch oh, wow. of others that were deeply influenced by Schaeffer. So his, his influence and his foresight of where culture was headed and mm-hmm. what was going to be necessary. I mean, even for like today, he saw where we were going to be at today mm-hmm. yeah. with a lot of these issues. Mm-hmm. What do you see? Where are we going in the next mm-hmm. 30 years? What are going to be the things that Christians need to be aware of and prepared for mm-hmm. in order to engage the culture? Yeah, this is interesting. I'm, I'm glad to respond to it. Let me say something about Schaefer, though. I think what, what, what Schaefer wasn't, in a sense, precisely prescient about what was going to happen. It isn't like he said, this, here's the postmodern movement, here's the gender thing and all. But what he said, what he understood... Um, the modern mindset, and that's what he spoke to mostly, the modern mindset, and his response was the biblical worldview. And then he said, if you, since God is is real, and Jesus is the Messiah, and human beings are made in the image of God. That is reality. When you start arguing, when you start denying pieces of reality, 
okay, now you're living in unreality, and it's mm. going to have consequences down the line. Yeah, that's yeah. And so true. his observation was to say, once you deny, uh, you know, the, the ultimate value of man, you make this upper story leap about value, and it's totally subjective and totally relativistic. What's left is just, in reality, is mechanized man. Mm. We are just molecules clashing in the universe. We're part of yeah. the machinery. We are nothing, mm -hmm. okay? Now, this, he says, has ramifications down the line if we start living this way. And I, I think all of the kinds of ramifications that he pointed out as being the fruit of, of denying reality— mm -hmm which is denying the Christian worldview. These things are coming to pass. You sow to the wind and you reap the whirlwind. Um, and so I think that the radical postmodernism that we are seeing, the radical relativism, is a result of the kind of thing Schaefer is talking about, mm -hmm. that when yeah. you abandon the integration of meaning and, and morals and reality because you have a Christian God, now you've got this upper story, lower story division where meaning and significance are all utterly subjective. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, you're going to get people who say, I'm a boy, even though they're genetically and biologically a girl, mm -hmm. because reality is in their mind, mm -hmm. because the yeah. way the rest of the physical world is, is offensive to them. Yeah. So this is really very similar to Schaefer's understanding. Now, my I'm I'm not a prophet, you know, sure. and uh, so I'm a little um, careful about my prognostications here. <laughs> but I do think that there are uh, are some obvious trends in place that are not going to change quickly. Okay. And uh, one of those trends is that the leftward move of the culture, uh, increasing narcissism. Because it's all about self. When you think about it, when when the the gender the the gender thing and what what a person's sex is is dependent on what they believe. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, this is not a new concept. It's new and applied to that way. But the idea that what I believe is reality, mm -hmm. this has been around for a long time. <laughs> sure. And this yeah. is a radical relativism, and it is a truth is all relative to the subject. Okay. I'm mm. the I'm the maker of truth. I determine what is true. It's truth is in my own sure. mind. It's mm -hmm. true for me. Okay, that's that's what I mean by relativism. The external world is not a factor. Okay, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter what my body I create looks like. It. Yeah, yeah, it's all. But notice that this is very narcissistic. It's mm. all about me. Yes. Okay. No, that's very Follow true. your heart. Let you be <laughs> right. you. Yeah. You see all these slogans and movies and saying the same thing. The problem is nobody wants everybody to follow their own heart. No. Nobody wants everybody to just be you. Because a lot of times the you, the me that I want to be ain't very nice. Yeah. yeah right. That's right? a recipe for anarchy so, is what it sounds like. Yes. People, <laughs> people want relativism for themselves sure i want to do whatever I, but we don't want people to be relativist towards us i want people yeah. to stop at red lights yeah. yeah i don't want them to do them with the red yeah, light right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know what so I mean? this is so, what yeah. schaefer called a, a point of tension you uh -huh. know this conflict between reality and what people are saying and all this other stuff and we yeah. can exploit that but this whole narcissistic trend i think is going to increase mm -hmm. uh, more and more and i think the hostility towards christianity is going to increase mm -hmm. more and more too and this is why i told the young people this last weekend in dallas i said look you got to draw the line you have to say this is this i'm not crossing this line because those christians that are trying to appease the culture mm. the culture will never be satisfied unless there is complete and total surrender and abdication. That's true. Okay? Yeah. Complete surrender. We can't just do a little bit and compromise a little here, a little bear there, a yeah. little here, a little. Look at the Boy Scouts. That Boom, boom, boom. They're trying to compromise a little here, That's a little right. there. Mm -hmm. They have just filed for bankruptcy. You know, they're yeah. going off the planet That's probably. Crazy. Yeah. So, but So because there's always the pressure to do more. So you've mm -hmm. got to say, my faithfulness is going to be to Christ and not to the culture. Yep. We're going to be faithful in a nice way, like mm -hmm. you were just mentioning a few moments, Tyler, about Second Peter, First Peter chapter 3, you know, yeah. with gentleness and reverence. But we've got to say, here we stand. Yeah. We can do no other, just yeah. like Martin Luther. Sure. So I think that's in the, in the offing for us. It's going to get harder, and we have to be willing to say no. Mm -hmm. Okay? 
So if all we do to the culture is say no, then I'm going to be happy because that mm. preserves the church, which is what yeah. I'm most concerned about now. Yeah. The progressive movement in the church, the so-called progressive, is the left-leaning uh, what what might have been called in the past a liberal church, now it's called progressive, is moving left, or the postmodern church, yeah. same thing. It's all sure. moving left of center, and it's dis, it's 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 abandoning the uncomfortable aspects of Christianity that are true. Mm-hmm. The sexual boundaries, mm-hmm. Jesus being the only way, yep. um, the, the issue of God in hell, you know, the authority of the Bible, all they're going that way. Yeah. And so we cannot be like them. No, we need to stand for truth, not compromise on cultural That's issues. That's right, exactly. Um, I wonder what's going to happen with, with, like, it's fascinating how you said narcissism is going to continue to grow in people. Yeah. Isn't it going to come to a point where you have to pick whose narcissism wins? I mean, because at a certain point, you know, I want what I want, you want what you want. How do we work out whose narcissism Well, in in that system, that's correct. And on our side, we have a guiding factor, and that's Christ and the Bible and the moral standards there. So so we are not faithful to ourselves. We are faithful to Christ. But you're right. There is an implosion that's imminent in this kind of system Mm -hmm. because you you cannot have true community unless you have shared values. Mm -hmm. But part of what the so-called community of the leftward-leaning culture involves, or even the even the conservative culture that is not committed to biblical values, is is a commitment to personal personal values, to personal convictions, mm-hmm. and um, and not to well we call it diversity. When you have a commitment mm-hmm. to diversity, you can't have community. Mm. Because community is based on shared things, not diverse things. And the <laughs> yeah. more diverse you yeah. get, the more potential conflict there is. That's Think true. about it. I don't know if you boys are married yet. Are you married? Yep. Uh, we're yeah. both married. Okay, yeah. so, okay. You don't, here's my advice to single people. You don't want diversity in your marriage. All right? <laughs> the more diversity, the more trouble. Okay. Yeah. You can stand a little bit, but you want to be as much like the woman or man you want to spend the rest of your life with and build a life with as possible, mm-hmm. especially in your values. Yes. Diversity That's causes right. conflict. Okay. Mm-hmm. It kind of adds a little interest to things, but once things are operating tightly knit, uh, well, you got lots and lots of diversity. Mm-hmm. Wow. Then, then you've got problems. And this is one indicator, by the way, is the so-called diverse community is not diverse at all. They all believe the same way. Yeah. It, yeah. And and anybody who doesn't believe like them is left out. Yeah. So and they, called not diverse. And, and, and called nasty names yeah. and even and though vilified. you're doing the exact same thing, right? Yeah. Standing on what you believe. Yeah. Yeah. They. I, I think it's a really great tactic because they always put themselves That's in true. the altruistic, positive light. Yeah. And you're doing the same thing, but you're negative for yeah. it. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. It's a really yeah. interesting hey, By the way, think yeah. about, you know, back in the 60s, the civil rights movement and the women's movement and everything, uh, what the argument was, was color is insignificant. Okay. okay, this is the way This is the way Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. Reverend Martin yeah. Luther King argued. Yeah. People want to... So they want to. They secularize him. Dr. Martin Luther King. Well, he's sure. also Reverend Dr. Martin That's Luther right. King, and it was Reverend, not the doctor, that drove his values. That's okay? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Reverend Martin Luther King, he said, "The color of your skin doesn't matter. It's the character. It's the quality of your character, etc., right. etc." Et and feminism says, Our, "Your sex shouldn't matter. You know, women should have the same as men." Blah blah blah. But of course, now this has morphed into color is everything, and yeah. gender is everything, and gender yeah. rules everything, and yep. it's gone completely on its head. And the character so, issue isn't even there. Anymore. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not yeah. there. Yeah. And so uh, I think that this is another thing you're going to see, what you were intimating here just a few moments ago, Robbie, is that that uh, there's, there, there is an internal conflict here. You have narcissism. Whose narcissism is going to win? Mm-hmm. And you actually see this happening right now in the political debates that are going on right now. Yeah. A lot of conflict. I just remember one candidate was disallowed. I had to cancel an event in in in, uh, in Michigan, and uh, a Democratic candidate, because of opposition from other leftist elements. Interesting. So huh. this is a cannibalization that's going you're not, on. You're not you're not as progressive as you, we yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. You're it's not like as you're liberal not or as conservative, or whatever. As we yeah, want. you're not woke as as much woke as we are. You yeah. know, it's like and the woke oh, changes every minute. So yeah, how can so you yeah. keep up? <laughs> they're after each other, and it's inevitable. It yeah, is inevitable. Yeah, yeah. But see, I I think this is just going to increase the chaos and increase the hostility in the culture, mm-hmm. and it's going to increase the hostility towards Christians as well. Okay, and so we have to be ready 
to get, take the hostility. And I was asked this question yesterday <clears throat> during a Q&A of the congregation at the Sunday service in Dallas. And uh, how do we deal with this? And I said, this is going to sound strange, but it comes on good authority. Rejoice mm. and be glad. That's right. Jesus said it. When people say bad things about you and insult you and mischaracterize you and all these other things, because great is your reward in heaven. This mm. is in Matthew yeah. chapter 5, the Sermon right. on the Mount. So, uh, and then with gentleness and reverence, you know, yeah. and yeah. not to be quarrelsome, Paul tells Timothy in Second Timothy chapter 2, but patient when wrong. So we, this should gender in us a, a love and a grace in the midst of this conflict in communicating the truth. But I think mm. it's going to get a lot harder for us in the next uh, next 10 years. I think it will. Um, I, I also think it might be, I don't know if this will help culture, but it will be very neat to see Christians who take Jesus serious and at his word, the greatest commandment, right? Love God with everything you have, heart, soul, strength, mind, yeah. and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Yes. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In a culture that is eating itself alive, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. can really stand separate when we love people that we really disagree right. with and not compromise on truth. And, and stay with what the Bible says, but even say, in spite of your beliefs, I'm going to treat you lovingly as a human yes. being. Yeah, because really I don't see that happening mm -hmm. in culture very yeah. much at all. And no. we have a reason to do it because yeah. Jesus loved us so yeah. much, right? Yeah. We love because he first sure. loved us. So sure. we have an opportunity to stand really uh contrarian to what the culture is going to be, but it's not going to be easy. The culture has no concept of loving your enemies. Mm -hmm. um, some of these groups are characterized as very loving and very accepting. Mm. Well, they are very loving and very accepting of everyone in their group. Yes. The yeah. minute the church you has take been doing exception with their group, <laughs> yeah, man, we're, we're all good at that. Yeah. They are the biggest bullies on the block. That's right. Uh, they yeah. will out you in a certain way. They will they will expose private things about your life. They will get you fired from your job. That's right. I mean, um, and, and this has happened at very, very high levels. So uh, who's the guy over at Moselle, uh, uh, Mozilla, who got the CEO of Mozilla, a famous guy. I can't think. I um, Brendan Eich, I think his name is. Okay. About three or four years ago. I mean, this guy was the one who, who pioneered certain uh, type of com computer technology and, and stuff. And it turned out that he had supported, uh, in, in, in the state of California, Prop 8, which said marriage for man and a woman. Okay. And when that came out years later, they fired him. Wow. They wow. just fired because him of his personal as a bigot. Views. Wow, we didn't know he was such a bigot. Wow, and so wow. we don't have bigots on our. Because we're loving. He was the CEO. <laughs> wow. Okay, That's so if it, ha if it can happen to Brendan Ike, it can happen to anybody, That's and right. it is happening yeah. all around the country. That's right. That's the bully I'm talking about. That's where love ends at the end of their their ideology. Mm -hmm. Okay, we love everybody like us. That's not us. Yeah. We love everybody. We love our enemies. Not easy to do so no. i'm not going to candy coat mm. yeah. this no you know it takes practice but uh and help from god obviously but that's right. our ethic yeah absolutely right. well this has been awesome yeah, Greg. we <laughs> really appreciate you being here with us today on our 100th episode yes. um we want people to buy your book that's one of the reasons so we, we want to promote <laughs> yeah, right. hey go buy the 10th anniversary of of tactics you need it um there's nothing there really is nothing else out there like it when it comes to how to stay in the driver's seat yes. of a conversation right. how to help people start to think on their own um it is it works i i was at starbucks this was seriously like three months ago and this, you know, tactics, I've got it in here. There you go. It's in your muscle memory. You're going to, I good. think you'll get a kick out of this. I'm, I go up to this barista and she's standing there. No joke. She has a pentagram necklace on. Oh. And I thought, great. Just like the witch in Wisconsin. Just like it. And I did the exact same thing <laughs> That's you in the did. Book. Yeah. Right. yeah. I said, hey, does that, uh, is that just an ornament or jewelry or does it have religious significance? Yeah. I'm just, I totally said the exact same thing you said. <laughs> and she said, oh, yeah, I'm a witch. And we got into a conversation yeah, about truth. Tell Phenomenal. So yeah. um, uh, your books have really impacted us. Oh, and we're, yeah. we're going yeah, out and right. we're Columboing people to death. And we are <laughs> okay, utilizing the suicide tactic so and the steamroller. If everything. they go to, uh, they can get it at str.org, which mm -hmm. is our website. STR stands for reason. Or they can go, you know, to Amazon. I think it's the same price in either place. But, okay. um, but make sure you, when you go to Amazon, you get the one with the red red circle at the very yeah. top. Tenth, and it says sure. also in the, tenth in the description, yeah, the 10th anniversary edition, because it's got 50% more material in it. Wow. Almost. No kidding. Oh, that's and great. it's got yeah. uh, double the number of tactics almost. And, uh, and the, <clears throat> uh, there are just a lot of things I learned in the last 10 years about yeah. how to communicate 
more effectively about the existing tactics and things that I didn't include in the book that I wanted to include and things that I wanted uh, that I've discovered since then that I thought would be helpful. That so. is awesome. Well, make yeah, sure you yeah. go and you pick up tactics. Visit str.org. Um, Greg and Alan and Tim, they have just a crazy amount of blogs on their articles it's all That's searchable right. and amy hall who is our chief blogger yep. she teaches we now now jonathan noise is a, a okay. new speaker for us so we're expanding little by little as we're able and we're going to have a new web launch here in a couple of months oh, and uh we're, we're we're developing uh training material that's web-based so you can go right on online and kind of work through these training segments oh, kind of like oh, a khan nice. academy type thing that's but great unapologetic so that's we're great. very excited about the new developments coming up this next year we're having our 27th anniversary coming up in two wow, months wow, and uh yeah. it just seemed like the time is flying by but we are so <laughs> grateful that God has been faithful to our efforts to mm -hmm. prosper it. And uh, I'll be hanging up my cleats probably before too long, but um, by the grace of God, stand to reason will continue mm -hmm. to serve people like you and the next generation that you guys will be training yeah, that follow after you. We, Our view is that the most important generation is always the next generation. Mm -hmm. And so we want to pass the baton uh, to the young guns, yeah. you know, so you can do the work after we're gone. Yeah, well, thanks so much, yeah, Greg. We, we do appreciate all that you've done, and I, I do think it's amazing just the amount of radio shows, podcasts, blogs, articles, books. Yes. It's really, I, I don't know if you've ever stopped to look back and think about what God's done in your life, but the things you've done are going to outlive you and be impacting people oh, for generations to come. I hope so. Much like Schaefer, much Thank like you. Lewis. Yeah. So we really appreciate all that Thank you've done. You so and uh, we're excited to see what God continues to do with you and Standard yeah. Innocence. Yeah. Well, the most satisfying thing for us is when we are able to mentor, even at a distance, mm -hmm. people like you. Because we have actually... I don't think we've ever met before. I've seen you at conferences, but I don't think yeah. we've ever no, met. No, I've seen this the first time. Yeah. But it's just to, to, to know what God is doing in your life through us and that you are paying it forward. Mm -hmm. This is what you're passing. We're passing the baton to you. You're passing it to others. Yes. That's, that's it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on our 100th episode. Yep. Uh, yeah. Stay with us uh, next week as we continue on with a new topic. Yep. A new 100 episodes, hopefully. <laughs> Come on, new 100. <laughs> right? Right? Yep. Yeah. So thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, we will see you next time. Yep. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.